Welcome to Podcast Sans Frontiers, a Metal Gear Solid audio experience. Here we infiltrate the narrative, interrogate the characters, extract the themes, via Fulton of course, and finally face down the technological behemoth that is the Metal Gear franchise. We're no heroes, never were, never will be, but we are your hosts. I'm Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb on social media. I'm Cosmos, or Brian, or Cosmos, <laughs> however you want to say it. This is going to be interesting. I'm excited. Yeah, so we are here to talk about Metal Gear Solid, um, a video game franchise, and also maybe soon to be a movie franchise. I can't say that we decided to start doing this on the day they announced Oscar Isaac will be playing Solid Snake, but I, that's pretty much exactly what happened here. Yeah, it was right after that. Most exciting news we possibly could have gotten, and I'm sure we will at some point... I may want to wait till there's more information... But I'm sure at some point we will do fantasy casting because I have ideas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you had to tell me to keep mine to myself on Twitter. So um, there will definitely be a focus on the movie if we move forward with production, which I think is one of the big question marks of whether this movie actually ever happens. But that aside, we're both fans of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. Uh, we kind of have different entry points into it, but um, it's been one of the major video game franchises for the last technically like 30 years, um, but really the last 25 or so, um, starting with Metal Gear Solid in 1998. Um, so we kind of wanted to work through the series, give our thoughts, give our experiences, um, and, you know, maybe find out a little more about Metal Gear Solid, find out about us. We're going to go on this great spiritual journey. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? We're going to find out if love can bloom on a battlefield. We never, we never, <laughs> we never truly got the answer. We never truly got the answer to Otacon's questions. We're going to find out what Snake was really fighting for. Uh, well, I'm always big on... Uh, I was ne- never able to save Mero, nope, so either. I always rode into the sunset with Otacon, so I'm a big Hal and Dave guy. Um, that's the love I believe in, in Metal Gear. I mean, it's the love of the series. But like the, Snake and Meryl, if that was something the series... There's you know there's problems with Metal Gear Solid 4, it's canonicity, and like what it really... How much of a Kojima really thinks is important or meaningful but like if he really thought that was important or meaningful and he brought meryl back then she wouldn't have been marrying johnny shitpants right like <laughs> yeah exactly i think the whole point i don't want to say kojima's poor at handling his uh women characters but he kind of is but meryl was almost basically brought back to not go to solid snake um i think that's very much why she was there personally i've always thought that like he has his problem with women characters is that he's a 13-year-old boy. Like, I do think, like, I was actually making a list. There's a pretty good amount of, like, actually well-written, good female characters. It's just that 90% of those, he also is just, like, oobs, because he's a 13-year-old boy, which is, like, bad, but also makes him weird and interesting in, the, in a way. It's it's one of the reasons I think Yoko Taro is the only guy who's really confirmed him, because Yoko Taro does the same thing, where he'll be like... I mean, Near Automata is a game entirely about humanist philosophy, but also short skirt ninja ladies. Like, it's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird and very Japanese sort of thing for someone to like a mindset. Yeah, it's a very cultural aesthetic. I think different than it plays here, and you know the way we talk about stuff, and it's also the way we talked about stuff in 1998 and 2001 and 2004 is different than we talk about it now. Very much so. Because I, I mean, we were both very much alive for the quiet discourse and about her and how she was handled. But I agree with you. I think like um, the boss, obviously, but also like Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Um, basically all the characters at Peace Walker, Amanda, Cecile, 
Um, they all, you know, pretty much hold up. Uh, Eva, I think, is overall pretty good, yeah. even though they sometimes take her in weird places, especially, again, in Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, but um, I think it, I think it's a mixed bag, and I think it's interesting to go along with all the other philosophies and, you know, cultural touches that's going on with uh, the Metal Gear series and what Kojima's trying to say. I think even with some of the um, more, quote, throwaway characters, I don't want to, I mean, I love Dead Soul, and I love... I love I love Foxhound and I love all those groups. But even like I, I wouldn't say that Fortune or Sniperwolf are like less written than like Vulcan Raven. Like I don't think I don't know if that's really something he. So you know I don't I don't know if it's really it's it's different it's a different sort of behavior than a lot of. It's still even for '98 ahead of a lot of current video gaming, and maybe ahead of some current video game companies whose names I won't mention who may or may not have just had their game pulled from the PlayStation Store. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are definitely not pegging this in a moment of time, but um, as Cyberpunk 27, 2077 gets pulled, it's it's hard not to think about that stuff. Um, and I also think um, it might just be, I think he writes the women pretty well. I think it's maybe more of his d- directorial gaze that might be the problem, yes. um, especially just because, you know, like you said, he lingers on boobies and stuff like that. But um, even because uh, I just watched Die Hard again. Um, a couple nights ago and all the like the naked women posters and swimsuit model posters that are randomly in locker rooms. That's like directly out of Die Hard as John McClane's going through the building. He just there's random women posters everywhere. And I think yeah. some of that is like homage. And I mean, some of it is, you know, gawkerish or what, however you want to phrase it. I promise I won't do this because I'm not a big Tarantino fan, but that's one of the reasons he does get labeled kind of similar to Tarantino is and it, it, it's important that we're also I'm also compared he gets compared to directors more than game developers a lot of the time but I think it's important because I think it is interesting to sort of parse how much of that is Kojima's opinions toward women and how much of it is just well this is what they do in the movies I like so this is what I do right and like that's really one of the biggest examples of that is and I'm sure we'll talk about it and it's one of the reasons I wanted to do this because I don't think there's much metal I don't I don't think because of when those games came out, it wasn't really something people talked about. I don't know how much, how much, how much people like will talk about how gay Metal Gear is. <laughs> it's very gay, and I wonder yeah. if that's. I don't know if that's you know Kojima being a gay rights activist, or if it's just he likes David Bowie a lot, and David Bowie is like very <laughs> androgynous, and he thinks that's interesting. Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's sort of hard to tell with him. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the reasons he's interesting. Yeah, and you think? I mean, I want to. I can't confirm this, but it's very possible the first time I meaningfully heard the word bisexual was when talking about vamp in Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, so there is always, there's, sexuality I think is important in Kojima's games, um, but it's in a very interesting way. It's not, especially relative to the other games and especially American developer games that are, you know, traditional male masculinity in a lot of their protagonists um, and stories. Um, Metal Gear definitely did have a little more interesting going on. There's definitely also a lot of incest. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's always playing a little bit with taboo. And I I mean, intentionally. So he talks about it. That's how he talked during his very extensive Metal Gear Solid 5, um, you know, press tour, um, that there'd be taboo storylines and stuff that would push people's lines. Um, I assume that's a lot of the stuff with like Chico and uh, Paz and stuff. But story for another day, I'd say. Yeah, I don't even want to start opening up the the. MGSV can of worms right now. That's uh, the reason that's going to be the end if we get that far. That's going to be it. Yes. Because I don't know where you can really go after that. Uh, unless we got a movie to talk about. Yep. But Hopefully. Or that long rumored uh, Metal Gear Solid remake that I think may still happen. I don't know. I was reading that 
somebody wants to do it. I just don't know if it'll be allowed to be happen. I don't know if uh, Konami will allow that. I mean, they got pachinko money to make, so we'll see. It always just kills me when I see all this great uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 art going around online. It's like, oh, it's from the pachinko game, because uh, that's the only thing that Konami's really invested in, apparently. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'll, I'll say, let's do this. Um, I know we've kind of been shooting the shit already for a little bit, but um, let's give a quick introduction about kind of just where we are in terms of our history with gaming, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talking about stuff critically. um, And then after that, we'll go into um, our history with how we were introduced to Metal Gear, um, how we kind of rank the Metal Gears, how we parse the history of Metal Gears personally, um, and then kind of just talk about broadly what Metal Gear means to games, to us, you know, kind of pick it apart a little more thematically and big picture. Um, So we kind of, you know, establish where me and you are with this franchise and kind of the lens we're going to apply as we actually dive into these games. And uh, this should be something I think more saved for individual games, but it's also important to, it's always the lingering shadow, especially with two is like, what is Canon? Does the Canon matter? Like how much, I think two and four would be the ones you really, we really talk about with that because like, they directly contradict each other for <laughs> most of their runtimes, and uh, what makes it awkward is that if you're, I, I always will go with two because it's a better game. For sure. If you go with two, then the other stuff doesn't really work either. So it's just, it's like, does how much does that matter? Is it a Zelda situation where the the timeline is supposed to be like a suggestion, and nerds have taken it way too far? That's my opinion, but you know, it. I think that's that's interesting to talk about. But yeah, let's um. You go ahead and start with your history with games and, and Metal Gear and and the snakes. So um, I will say that um, I grew up with the Nintendo Entertainment System. I got a Nintendo in 1988. I was about four or five years old. Um, so that was kind of like when I started gaming and I played the Marios, the Zeldas, the Final Fantasies, um, the Yoshi's Island. GoldenEye was a big deal. Um, that was kind of the first game where I got a feeling for stealth gaming. And that's mostly just silenced pistols. Um, versus, you know, loud pistols. But it gave me, you know, a sense of what a stealth game could be like. And then, you know, so we were playing games. Final Fantasy VII was a huge deal um, with the cinematics that that presented at the time. Uh, I think that was September 97, or it was definitely 97. Yeah, September. So what, you know, that's kind of my history with gaming. So I kind of played all the big popular titles, uh, JRPG, Secret of Mana, Chrono Trigger, FF6, you know, so I was a regular gamer. Um, I wasn't playing everything. I didn't play a ton of puzzle games or side scrollers um, at that point. But uh, when Metal Gear Solid came, uh, that was a huge revelation for me. Uh, One thing that we'll definitely dig into is uh, I think we're both kind of fans of the James Bond franchise. Yep. Very much so, yeah. For some reason, I never, I never understood why, because most of the movies are not very good. Yeah, uh, I think for me it's just a dad thing. It's just the movies we had growing up. Um, I think my dad famously just hates Western cinema if it's not a mafia or a James Bond movie. So I uh, grew up on that. So Metal Gear Solid is definitely a game that kind of fits into that. It plays on a lot of James Bond tropes. Um, you know, down to the fact that you can get a tuxedo and play the game. You know, with a tuxedo on, like Bond in the end. So, uh, I, you know, Metal Gear Solid was just a revelation for me. Um, the cinematics are a huge thing, the story and the fact that the story was, you know, kind of a Frankenstein of my favorite movies like James Bond and Die Hard, uh, all, all that shit, um, all the crazy plot twists that, you know, at, you know, I'm kind of a person who thinks that Kojima's plots are more just impenetrable as opposed to gobbledygook. I think if you take the time to tear it apart, it's all there. Um, but I was just blown away by the density of it. So it was just definitely different than every game that I had played before it. 
Um, and then from there, I was into the Metal Gear uh, Solid franchise with every title going forward. Um, I basically bought PlayStation 2, 3, uh, 4 for the upcoming Metal Gear Solid game. Um, I was with every game at launch. Um, I played every game multiple times, beat them multiple times, beat most of them with, you know, the non-lethal no alerts at some level. Um, I just finally did that with MGS3 for the first time a couple months ago, which I'm really happy with. Um, so that's kind of my history with uh, the franchise. Um, I off and on play other games like the big AAA titles. I hate to not be a supporter of small games. I just don't play games that often. I play like three or four titles a year. Um, like this year, my big things have been Ghost of Tsushima and Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2. Um, the latter I love. Um, the former when you play a ton of Metal Gear and then another game you play says absolutely nothing about violence or themes or anything. It's just, it's weird. Like, I can't believe how little I felt about what was a pretty mechanically satisfying game. Um, but it's just like, I don't think about that game at all. I'm like Don Draper in the elevator with uh, Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> I'm So I'm also not like a video game reviewer. Um, I don't have any history with that. Whatever critique I have has mostly been geared towards movies and TV. And most of that's unofficial. Um, even sharing a site with Brian, you know, from time to time. Uh, screen Fellows, Hive Rise Up, I guess. Um, but that's kind of the lens I'm bringing to all of this is um, mostly just a Metal Gear fan. Um, I like gaming, but I'm not like a industrious gamer, um, but I do like my movies. And that's probably a big reason why I'm into Metal Gear as a franchise. So how about you, Brian? So I have the reputation, I think, of being a hardcore gamer. It's more just that I've been playing them fairly regularly for about 17, 18 years now. I didn't have a console growing up. Like my mother told me she didn't have a problem with getting one, but we were very poor. And she was like, well, you have to buy it. And, you know, my response was, I'm a nine year old. I can't I don't have money. But my dad, ever when I went over to his house every other weekend, I had three stepbrothers and a younger sister. We had a 64. We had a PlayStation. Uh, so we played. I played multiplayer games all the time. GoldenEye all the time. Perfect Dark all the time. Smash. Mario, uh, Mario Party. God help me. Mario Kart. Uh, <laughs> we played all those all the time. And I would get to see my brothers. Like I remember my oldest stepbrother would routinely... There's about a two or three month period where he would wake up and beat Ocarina of Time in a day just to see if he could, like on a Sunday. Jeez. And like, they, absurd. I mean, it's not that long. <laughs> it's 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 bigger in your memory than it really is. That's a problem I have with that game. That's probably true. Yeah. But like, um, so I've seen that game play through a lot. I and I've watched a lot of games. And I didn't start playing them myself aside from the occasional Star Wars game on the PC or like Descent or like uh, Monkey Island or something like that. When I got to on my dad on my dad's computer that he usually was playing on that smelled like weed. Uh, <laughs> I didn't start playing my own games on my own until my that oldest stepbrother in 2002 gave me his um gave me his his PSX his PlayStation One and I and his copy of FF7 which I beat 15 times uh, <laughs> and I got through them like that. I didn't start getting into Metal Gear until uh, I had gotten a GameCube by that point and I so I was I was a big melee guy. It's like all I had and NBA Live and all that and Metroid Prime and then it was in I'll say 2000. It would have been 2005. It would have been 2005. It was after Snake Eater came out. And it was, yes, it was when I was living because we had moved to my mom's boyfriend's house, which was literally across the street from my grandmother's where I was living. And I spent about a week and a half sharing a room with a seven-year-old. And I was like, I don't have to do this. You know, I'm, I'm in high school. I can go, like, I could just stay at grandma's. And my mom was like, oh yeah, good point. And so I was staying there and I had a friend who lived in that neighborhood, Nate, who I hung out with sometimes. And he, I came over to his house 
at one i remember this very strongly i came over to his house once he told me to come over at school you know and we i walked it was a neighborhood it wasn't very big right and he was like yeah i wanted to show you this metal gear game and i was like i you know i've never seen one of those i heard i heard about them a lot i heard about it's the same almost the same aside from having a friend introduced to me it's the same thing i had with half-life where i'd heard about half-life and i had an image of what it was because i kept hearing how cool it was and then i played it in like 2003 and it was like oh this is pretty good and i watched him play about the first two and a half hours of snake eater and i bought a ps i went i went and bought a playstation like i found i, I or i borrowed one for somebody or something i might have sold i i got a cheap i got a playstation for like 80 bucks got snake eater you did what you had to do yeah and i i i beat it i beat snake eater in about three days <laughs> yeah it's not a long game if you yeah then i remember the second time i played it i played it again i feel bad about this because i never beat that game when lost odyssey came out because i was a big final fantasy guy right and that yeah, was yeah that was sakaguchi's first game it's a great game i rented that when i was house sitting in 2011 so i was in college i was house sitting for my mother she's living in a different area of town entirely at this point and i i, I got about 25 hours into it and but i was also i had also restarted the snake eater run and i was like i'm gonna finish this first and i just did that and then i forgot to beat the game before i took it back <laughs> but yeah i've beaten snake eater i would say f- five times i did a uh last one i did was a no was a no alerts no desk one that was great that was in like 2015 or 16 i've beaten i just beat sons of liberty for the third time earlier this year when it was on game pass and i've only i've only beaten metal Gear Solid one twice you don't really i i feel like that game it's like no country for old men I've only seen No Country for Old Men twice, but it sticks with you. Yeah, I don't need. I'd like. I remember it. Four, I beat once. I finally got a PS3 in like 2014 or 15, just to get through it. And like, I have my problems with it, but I was glad I got through it. There's still some stuff there I like. And then, yeah, but since since I would say 2000, see, I didn't get Peace Walker immediately, but but since aside from four, I played every one since then on release or close to release. Um, yeah. And I got, you know, I got Phantom Pain the, the second it came out on September 1st, 2015. I remember that date. It's an easy date to remember. September 1st is a good release. Yeah, it was it was a Wednesday. No, it was Tuesday because that's when games still came out on Tuesday. Yep. Um, and I took the Wednesday off so that I had, you know, all night Tuesday and into Wednesday to play. So I think I did work that Wednesday, but it would have been like a five or six hour shift. So I would have been back home. And I, I, yeah, I, I got through... I did the the quiet mission, the one, the last one, about four days later. Like I motored through that game, and that's a big game. Oh wow, that that's impressive. I mean, I took my time, but uh, when we get into our playing, like I am the, I will spend, uh, you know, two and a half hours in a single map, like inching at a time. Like that's how I like to play. Like I take my time, I save every minute. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a big stealth guy. Like I'm a big I've beaten all three. Dis- well, not the third one. The third one doesn't matter. I've beaten the designer games, no kills. They say Deus Ex games, no kills. Like I I will do that if I feel like. But I was getting really into. Part of it is that the second half of V is so yeah. <laughs> once once you figure out what's going on, it's just like all right, I'm just gonna get through this. I'm gonna power through it. Yeah. But I would say my only my closest relationship, and this is gonna be strange, and this probably will never come up again because it's a series that has nothing to do with Metal Gear. My closest relationship to what your relationship with Metal Gear is is probably Halo, because in 2001, my I had three stepbrothers. My youngest stepbrother got a GameCube, the middle one got a GameCube, and the oldest one got a PS2. And I spent Christmas break 2001 at my dad's the whole two weeks. Actually, it was like 18 days, because we want we got off on a Wednesday for some reason, and we played Melee, like uh, Dave Mira 2, that Need for Speed game. 
And then I watched my brother play Final Fantasy X. And the whole time we were like, Xbox sucks. Who would want an Xbox? Shit's terrible. You know, just being teenagers. And then the last weekend that I was there, my middle stepbrother's friend Brian brought his Xbox over. And we played Halo all night, and I was absolutely taken aback by it. So I got I got an Xbox when I could, and that's the one I had. That's the one I've been playing like on release every time, even when they're not good. But it's weird because they have nothing in common with Metal Gear. But that's that's the that's the closest thing I have to that kind of like day one all the way through. Like it's why I still get Xboxes, honestly. I get it. I mean that, and I have like a lot of game. I have a lot of stuff on my. I've bought a lot of stuff on Xbox. I'm not going to switch now and not be able to play that stuff. Oh, that makes sense. Um, I actually basically bought an Xbox because of Halo. Uh, don't cancel me, but I was actually in a fraternity when I went to uh, undergrad. Um, and we didn't have like Wi-Fi and stuff, but everyone living in the fraternity house could be on the same network. So we were able to do eight on eight, mm-hmm. uh, Halo battles, uh, you know, capture the flag, all that stuff. Um, and basically, as soon as I went home that uh, summer, um, all the money I had, I bought an Xbox and Halo. Um, I did not keep up because I pretty much jump back onto Sony with PlayStation 3, but um, Halo is a franchise I love too. So I totally yeah. get that. And- well, I'm a, I'm a big weirdo because I'm a Halo campaign player, mostly. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I played a lot of Halo 3 and online and stuff. Like, I played a lot of it, but I mainly got them for the campaigns. I love I love the... I guess the only way that they're similar is I love the, um, the chaptering. I love the way that they're cordoned off into sections. I really like that. I wish yeah. more games did that. And I wish Metal Gear did that specifically. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's gonna be kind of hard. It's gonna be kind of hard to talk about. Not with one. One is very sectioned. Like this is when he do you this, and then you do this, and then you do this. But like getting the two, three, and and like especially five. Yeah. Uh, Peace Walker and five are gonna be two different beasts in terms yeah. of uh, Peace game Walker. Design, at least has yeah. It. Peace Walker has the mission structure. Like yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be it's that's gonna be very. If we try to do like a straightforward synopsis, it's going to be very taxing, I think, just to figure out what's what and what happens when. Yeah, I think it makes sense to kind of unravel it as the saga, you know, was experienced by, you know, gamers as Kojima kind of wrote it and developed it, added layers to the onion, so to speak. Um, I think that's basically the easiest way to untangle it. Oh, I Um, forgot to say now I um. Now I have my old Xbox One, I have a mediocre computer and I have a Switch, so I play it's I play games like I I'll, I'll play I'll definitely buy between 5 and 8 a year on a good year but I don't like I don't play like hard I'm not a guy who will get a game I'm not the kind of guy who get who I, I got to buy this game and play it for 2 weeks and then be done with it like I want to get games that I like like yeah I'm at the point like with that's interesting you said that about Ghost of Tsushima because I'm at the point where like a game's mechanics have to be like like Dishonored or like Prey or like any of those immersive sim games right that's, those are the kind of games I play mechanically. Anything else, I want to have a, some kind of interesting experience. I want something interesting to be said. Yeah, for sure. Which is why Hades is the perfect video game. But I'll, that's for a completely different topic. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I need to play Hades. So, um, again, this is more just be- because I don't play games. It's cheap. That's the best thing I can say about it. Oh, I, I hear it's also excellent. It's, it's terrific. It's one of the best value games I've ever played in my life. I'll admit I'm one of the people who would have just kind of classified you as a hardcore gamer just because you have like a best 50 games of this generation. And I don't know how Yeah, that's just more, that's just more. I have a uh, list brain. I have list brain. I've been doing it my whole life. And I kind of have to put those things in lists to like make, make them make sense in my brain. But yeah, even then that's 50 games over like this generation is like 
seven and a half, eight years. Like I played 50 games. That's I probably played about 70 games. So it's really just which ones that I like. <laughs> yeah. Game Pass helps with that a lot too. Game Pass is a great like there are a lot of games I have on here that I played for like an hour and a half, and then I'd be like, "Oh, I didn't glad I didn't buy that," and then just not play it again. Game Pass is a wonderful service. Xbox Game Pass, game harder. That makes sense. I really, sh- I really should getting, be getting paid for this sort of advertisement. Yeah, we can see what kind of sponsors we'll get in here. Um, but yeah, no, I just got a PlayStation now, so I can just start really experiencing that. But um, it would take me probably back into 2004 to name 50 games I've. I've played, but um, I also have shit memory, so that might just be it, too. I, I play more games than I probably make out, um, but I just don't remember that I played them because I don't think about them like I think about Metal Gear. But I did want to say you said you love lists. I do love lists. So why don't we talk Metal Gear lists? Why don't we go ahead and lay out um, kind of how we rank uh, Metal Gear Solid? Um, and we'll basically kind I'm going to just basically do the solid games. Um, I think, uh, Brian's going to work in some of the additional titles where it fits in. Um, it's mostly just cause he's played them and I haven't. My big caveat is I can understand any Metal Gear Solid game being someone's favorite game, except for four. Um, I can get, I guess, ground zeros too. I can get that. Um, yeah. And I, I probably played four more than anything until I got five. Um, so it's just the game I had the most and I had when I wasn't. That's like the first game I had as an adult, so I wasn't in the phase where I had to sell all the games I had previously to buy the next game I wanted, Mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of my status quo growing up. Like, even when we got a Super Nintendo, we had to sell our Nintendo, Um, all that. Like, that's always been the way of life with us. But, you know, now that I had somewhat of an income, I could actually buy something without ditching it um, the next time a game comes out. So, Um, But I think every Metal Gear Solid game is at least a good game. Um, and I can understand why people would be attached to certain ones over the others, even though I think me and you kind of line up for the most part on a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'll go ahead and uh, give off my list. Um, I'm going to give a letter ranking too, because Brian kind of forced that on me, but I'm those weirdos who sometimes might have a lower letter grade above, you know, a higher letter grade just because, oh, I know the other game's better, but I just kind of like this more. Yeah, I I, I can understand that. I kind of just factored it into my letter grades at this point. Like, I I feel like you, you kind of, you can't eliminate subjectivity in this stuff, so you might as well just embrace it. And that's fine. And that, it only really applies to the first two, um, but I'll get there. Um, because number one for me, I think, is Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater, um, an A-plus game. Um, I think it's like, the best and most restrained Kojima in like good ways. Um, I like when Kojima goes wild, but I think he did it just right. Um, I also think like as a game of systems, it's just so nice how everything interacts so seamlessly with each other. Um, Everything about the game just feels cohesive in terms of thought and design and theme. And it's still pretty fun to play. Um, I wish it had some of the modern, you know, mechanics, but um, I'm sure it would break the game because that has happened in the series where modern mechanics break previous entries. But Snake Eater, I just think, is immaculate. I think it's great. I love the James Bond aesthetic. Um, The 1960s, the camo index, uh, trying to get the camos from the bosses is like the most fun thing in the world. Um, I think it's the... I think it's the shit. Why don't we? Why don't we alternate like this? Yeah, let's do this because that way we talk about. Yeah, because mine is also Snake Eater. It's one of my five favorite games of all time. The only reason it's not really in contention for one is because I'm a absolute little monster for Nice Little Republic One and Half Life Two. Those are my two favorite games. But Snake Eater is, yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, maybe it's because this is what I, what I got introduced with. But it's the it'd be the absolute best way to be introduced to his style, to Kojima's style, to that that. 
you know, sometimes we're going to use Kojima interchangeably with like his studio as though like he did the whole game himself, which obviously he didn't. That'd be an unbelievable undertaking. But like it's to that house style, to just the way it's it's able to be coherent and like intelligent politically without being very metal geary. And I think one of the things this is one of the things I think the cutscenes in that game are still long. People have problems with the cutscenes. But the cutscenes in Snake Eater are dynamic and interesting and like shit's happening. There's fights and Ocelot doing Ocelot growls and like people <laughs> getting run over motorcycles and like weird shit. Vulgan being Vulgan. Like it's just there's a lot happening all the time in that game. But it's such a simple, relatively simple, like your main goal for almost the entire game is the same. And it's just sort of area by area, you go through it linearly and things happen. There's only like nine or ten characters who mean anything to the story. So they're all able to kind of bounce around off of each other. And it, it sounds great. Uh, the, the soundtrack and the sound design is my favorite. It's got the most gameplay until piece, until Phantom Pain. It's got the most to do. It just works. It just works the best. It's just a, it's an excellent game that I really feel like people who are reticent to do that's one of the things it's amazing that this franchise is as popular as it is because it's got the double it's got the double whammy of being a cutscene game and a stealth game and those are two kinds of games that like the average person's not going to be that into but you know it's punctuated by moments of uh on a motorcycle and shooting down helicopters and just doing a bunch of cool action hero shit it's a wonderful game it's number one. I don't think there's anything else. Like I have a couple of other A pluses, but it's like an A plus, like an S. It's a ninety-eight out of hundred game for me. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, uh, nothing. And I think that's going to be possibly the highlight of our little series here. Is going to be covering that game because I can't wait to gush about it in detail um, because there's just so many little things to enjoy about that game. Um, moving on to number two, um, possibly a controversial pick, but I have Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. Um, this is one I am, I know I have to be prepared to defend, and I will definitely go more in depth when we get to it. Um, I think just starting off, it's like the most mechanically satisfying game, and I, that's the nature of the beast when it's the most recent one. Um, but the way it does the Metal Gear mechanics, it just feels so nice after progressing with the franchise, you know, since Metal Gear Solid, um, the crouch walking, the interrogation, the CQC, the hold up. CQC. Right. Uh, Fultoning everything in sight. I love like attaching little balloons to everything and shooting it up into the sky. I don't give a shit what it is. I Fulton the hell out of everything, even if I'm negative in GMP. Um, <laughs> it just, it's, it's like ASMR for me. It is just that uh, satisfying. Um, I needed a little bit of uh, convincing on like, eh, I was pretty much the popular consensus. This is so much fun to play, but it doesn't have any of the Metal Gear story that I really love outside of, you know, probably the hospital scene. Um, but um, I'm going to credit some uh, people as we go along, just because a lot of my Metal Gear thoughts aren't necessarily my own, or at least not in origin. Um, Joran Lee, he does a Futura sound on YouTube. He does a lot of good video essays. Um, and he's done a lot of video essays on Metal Gear Solid 5. And there's also that Michael Saba, uh, Metal Gear Solid 5 is a misunderstood masterpiece video. Um, a combination of all those things really got me thinking about um, how Phantom Pain is really the game thematically is an audio cassette tape, just like, you know, the big mechanic of it is listening to audio tapes. That's where a lot of the story is buried. Uh, replaying the missions is kind of like recording over an old audio cassette over and over. Like I, you know, it's pr pretty much just like stoner dreamland thought stuff, but it's like, you can really dig into how kind of 
the game is informed. And plus, I'm a huge David Bowie fan, um, big Moby Dick fan. I think those are heavy influences. Uh, Kojima, you know, he's definitely influenced by things he loves, but he doesn't really love a ton of necessarily obscure shit. Like he's referencing Godzilla and Die Hard <laughs> and, you know, like like Moby Dick in 1984, like David Bowie. He's not like, you know, avant-garde in his taste per se. Yeah, I would say his most avant-garde taste is like he loves New Order. And even then, like that was a still fairly popular band, but like they were slightly niche. Like they're not like they had their one huge hit, and then they're not, they're not like a super mainstream band that's talked about like ACDC or whatever. That'd be different. But that's like that's his most niche. Other than maybe like, maybe like B movies from the fifties and sixties, but he, that's not a huge influence. But there are, that is an influence, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and oh, I'm sure we'll, this will come up, but um, he has a story about how his family used to uh, take him to movies when he was a kid, and that's where he got this love of movies. Um, that was like a family tradition with his mom uh, specifically, I think. So, um, But I know Phantom Pain is a little bit controversial, a lot because of the twist, a lot because it throws out the Metal Gear storytelling. Because um, the game, like, structured is kind of similar to Peace Walker, but Peace Walker still has a very linear story to it for the most part. Um, that's easy to follow with cutscenes and all that, and Phantom Pain isn't that. Um, so I know it's a little bit, you know, lower on your list, but, um, I think just, it's such a satisfying game. And the fact that I probably sunk 400 hours into it is probably a big reason it's number two. Um, it's the game I just spent the most time with, I'd say over my life. I mean, I, I love, I love the game. It's lower for me. I think what you just talked about is why I, I have Peace Walker too. I think the mechanics of Peace Walker work better over a long time. Specifically, like it's really cool the way in Phantom Pain that they'll the guards will react to how you play, but it makes it at a certain point really tedious to get through like even normal encampments. Like they're all wearing all helmets, all armor, they're all super outfitted, and it's just like at a certain point I just want to get through this. I don't want to slog through another. It may it makes redoing all these missions over and over again the second half of the game. That's really the weak part for me. The, the twists I I don't mind. I don't know if it was done as well as it could have been, but I think it's a good twist. The, the themes are great. Like it's, it's still the last one he put any real effort. You know, it's, it, he's always going to have inter- at least interesting theming, if not coherent or intelligent, at least interesting theming. Um, For sure. <laughs> but, um, uh, that's, that's a shot at Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's still, I just think in my mind now being away from it for a few, uh, three years now, I just like Peace Walker more. That's why Peace Walker, I just think Peace Walker hits that, that, that gameplay loop better. And also Peace Walker is the best of the series politically. And like the coolest to me, I just like it the most uh, aside from snake eater. It, it, it helps that Peace Walker is a direct sequel to snake eater and a lot in pretty much every way. And just, I, I just like it more. I just have more fun. I have fonder memories of it. Peace Walker does not overstay. It's welcome. Even if the boss fights are bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and Phantom, Phantom Pain. And Phantom Pain. I'm going to be honest. If it if it was a, the completed version of Phantom Pain that we should have got, should have gotten it, probably number number three for me. Yeah, um, and I just want to uh, be real clear here that uh, Peace Walker is your number two. Um, yes, that you have under Snake Eater, um, and I think that I, I agree. I I can't believe there's a video game I played where they refer to the protagonist as a Che Guevara like character in a positive light. Yeah, <laughs> um, I know Big cool. Boss is some concept of a you know bad guy at some levels in the series i don't i think they've kind of done away with some of that but either way like it's just mind-blowing compared to like basically call of duty games where they take actual american war crimes and blame it on the russians you you know you're so used to like american hegemony in like uh video games even a game like spec ops the line which has sometimes been compared to 
Metal Gear as it is. I would still say they they tried to make an anti war war game. That's the that's the one where uh, it turns out in the end that you're you're I can't remember where it is. It's somewhere you're hunting like a a, 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 a Colonel Kurtz type, and then it turns out he was that's actually you the whole time, and like you, it's a game. It's a game where they they make you drop white phosphorus on civilians. Oh yeah, yeah. And like the game's trying to do that, you enjoy all the killing thing, but it, it but mechanically it's still about like good like headshot like that kind of shit so it, it doesn't really stick the same way and i feel like like there's a huge gulf even between that which is still i think has has the right intent it's just try it, it, it it's to, to their defense it's hard to make a game that's supposed to disgust you with its combat and get people to actually play it like that's that, that's not that's not a game that's going to be released that, that's an indie game like that's that's like a darkest dungeon style like disgusting you, you, like you're supposed to hate playing it. And those are not going to get released by a major major developer, major publisher, whatever. But um, yeah. But the fact that Peace Walker was released by a major publisher and is about the things that it's about and is about like explicitly about you fighting the CIA is so good. Yeah, it's such a wonderful thing to have. And I'm not. I don't think either of us are going to claim that Hideo Kojima is a communist. I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> and I'm sure he's sympathetic. Like he's definitely a pacifist. That's like the one political belief he definitely has, and that's. It's a good political belief to have, but he, um, he at the very least used that iconography for a positive. Like Peace Walker is the most positive of the series to me too. It just has such. It's just such a delightful game. I really, I was really astonished how much I liked it. I thought I would just be like, spoiler. I have, I have only played about two hours of Portable Ops, and I did not like it. It's last on my list. I thought it was going to be that, and it is. It's just a wonderful game. The cutscenes. The way they're done is so fascinating. The voice acting is... I think it's David Hader's best performance. Yeah, it's so good. It's its terrific. Yeah, so um, Peace Walker is my number three, which is yeah. uh, next. We're going on the list. So I'm just going to keep going off some of this. Uh, you mentioned um, the artwork. Um, so they basically have Ashley Wood. He does, um, you know, kind of graphic novel style cutscenes in the uh, Yoji Shinkawa uh, art style. Um, it all looks gorgeous. Um, and it's kind of dynamic. It's mostly black and white, but they use color effectively, like with Zdornoff's arm, um, you know, pauses a coat, I believe, you know, some other uh, flourishes like that. Um, I played Peace Walker once, just one time through, and only through the Peace Walker battle. I didn't even realize there was a Chapter 5 uh, 10 years ago. Um, and that was basically my experience. And then uh, before I dove into Metal Gear Solid 5, I was going to, like, you know, kind of catch up. And I'm like, oh, shit, there's this huge other chunk of Peace Walker I never played um, I finally got around to that about four months ago where I spent basically two months playing nothing but Peace Walker, trying to S rank everything. Um, it's just so fun. It's delightful. It's very emotional. Like, yeah, I would not think that killing a horse would have an emotional impact on me. Um, I mean, I'm pro animals. I don't really believe in killing animals, but like, I didn't think the death of a horse would be something that would really kill me. A digital horse. Yeah. Well, I guess. I guess the horse survived in uh, Shadow of the Colossus, right? It comes and saves you at the end. Spoilers yes. for Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> so I guess that 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 horse survived. But um, so yeah, it just there's a lot of things going on, and it all works. Um, I like some of the ideas, even if they don't completely work out. Like the idea of leveling up weapons. Um, it's kind of a cute idea, but when you're both developing new versions of weapons, but also have to level them up, it's kind of a little much with some of them. 
Um, oh, and the Fulton system, like the thing that I said I love about Phantom Pain and that gives me like inner peace, um, that really came to fruition here. I know it was a little bit in Portable Ops, but as like a really in-game mechanic. And you're talking about how um, it's hard to make an anti-war game because you can't. You have to incentivize not killing people. Uh, Metal Gear, you know, started do- doing that with like two and three by saying you get so- certain bonuses if um, you go through without killing. But in the later games, if you don't kill people, there are people who can join your army help you out that you can send on missions um that can be cannon fodder for you know a lack of a better word so um it's where you really start them incentivizing you know finding other ways to incentivize uh, pacifist play which is really cool real quick i would say that the thing with the, the problem with the, the 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 incentivizing the tranquilizer use in two and three is that you still like if you beat a boss there's the boss is still like if you trank a boss out they don't come back in the story they're still gone right they're still functionally dead. They're functionally removed from the story. So it it's really just a personal choice, and it doesn't really feel like it has any sort of impact on the narrative at all. This is the example I'm going to use, and I'm going to use this one a lot, even though they're very different games. The original Deus Ex and most of those kind of games, the immersive sim games, you can just like kill an NPC, and they just won't be around for the rest of the game. And the game will just have to adapt to that. Whereas like if you dart... I don't know, the fear in Snake Eater, he doesn't show back up later and like help you out. Like, thanks for not killing me. That'd be cool. I mean, I don't think he could have, I don't think they could have pulled that off, but that's like the difference in what those games did. And like Peace Walker, if you, you know, knock a guy out and Fulton him, you go back to the base, you go back to the base screen and like, there he is. He can help you. He can give you, even if it's just like extra, you know, money or or like quicker research, like it's still, there's still an incentive for it aside from pacifism. And like getting gamers to do that. Because I think most people, I would say 95% of people who played Peace Walker or Phantom Pain folded everything that they could. Yeah. Because the, the, the benefit is obvious. And even tricking, you know, gamers who are, I mean, I don't want, I, I, I don't want to like give any credence to the idea. I that, get that, you. Right. Yeah. That they're actually violent. But like the way that we play, people play games or like play games like little bloodthirsty monsters. <laughs> like that's how we play games. Like I like Grand Theft Auto. I've enjoyed those games, but. Boy, they do not reflect well on if somebody doesn't. I, I I get where people in the '90s were coming, like parents in the '90s seeing their kids do that in games, and be like, "What in the hell?" But like it, you know, they're digital creations. It has no effect on you. It has no. There's no reason not to. And Peace Walker gives you a reason not to, and that's a, yeah, honestly, kind of an incredible achievement. Yeah, and to the point, like uh, for some of the like trying to S rank some of the extreme missions in Phantom Pain. Uh, you know, sometimes you just have to do lethal force, but I'm so used to being non-lethal in Metal Gear. It's like, oh, shit, I didn't develop an assault rifle that's strong enough to fight the skulls on extreme or something. Um, and so, it, like, you had, it was weird in Phantom Pain having to be like, okay, I have to, like, think about killing some people now just so I can uh, develop stuff and, like, beat some of these missions in time and get all the objectives. And I wish that's another problem I have with Phantom Pain. I wish that it gave you shit for you having to do that. Like... Having to be, having to to adopt lethal tactics, I wish the game did something to like disincentivize that, or like even just like even if it's just a voice line from Oslo, I'd be like, "Wow, you're really slipping," or you know something like that. And it that may that may be stuff that was just cut or just not because it's such a big game. Maybe nobody thought about it. Like it, it you know, that's another thing that kind of annoys me about that game sometimes. Like doing all the S rank stuff, 
that's where the game really lowers for me. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, yeah, that's fine. And that's a fair criticism. I was going to say the only thing I can think of is that um, if you kill a certain amount of people or your heroism goes down to a certain level, your horn gets bigger and you're bloody all the time. This is that's yeah, right. It's not like at, anything. What I was at. Yeah. But no, also, that's that's another problem I have with the game. And it's not a big problem, but it is a really good criticism. That's what the game is supposed to be about. It's supposed yeah, to be about sure. men becoming demons. And it really does not, for me, it really does not connect the big boss of Peace Walker to the big boss of you know, the, the of Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, and Metal Gear Solid. And like, I don't know if they could have after Peace Walker, because it's just such a... there's any real criticism of it, it's it's almost a hero worship game. <laughs> he's such, yeah, yeah. He's one of the best protagonists, in Peace Walker specifically, one of the best protagonists in the history of games. Yeah. Like, the most likable, cool, like, righteous, like, good. And then, like, yeah, I don't know, it's tough. I will say the only thing it really, we could talk about this. The only thing it really does, it's fun, which is funny because it's not anything that's brought up in the later games. It really does give you like good development for, for Miller, for Kaz. Yeah. And then, you know, he shows up for, as a background character in one of the games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, fucking Peace Walker ends in the fucking end game thing with like, I am Iron Man. It's like, it ends on, I am big boss. Yeah. So it kind of does work as a good coda for his character in a sense. Um, but I do agree with some of the stuff about five. Um, but again, that'll be fun to talk about when we get to it. Um, do you want to hit me with your uh, number three? My number three is Metal Gear Solid 1998. Um, even though it, it's not, it's like, what, a six hour game, maybe? It's just such a striking, like, the mood, the mood of, of the original. It's almost a survival horror game. It's almost like, it's such a weird game. It's such a strange game that this, because this, again, I didn't play it when it came out. And I played it a generation later, at least. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I played it around when like the Xbox 360 and the Xbox game, like 2006 or seven. So it, you know, it wouldn't have been like crazy old looking for me. But the, it's just such a strange. It's so strange. It's so. It's it's grappling so much with this idea of, of metatextualism and and uh, you know the, I think the uh, the the memes gene uh, the genes memes scene thing was him. You know, it's that's a stretch, but like. Just this idea of theming in a game, like it still was not even games before then, like Final Fantasy VI, Chrono Trigger, games with great stories. I don't think they would have applicable real world themes other than like be courageous and help your friends, which is what every JRPG is about. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I would say those games, um, which I do think like FF6, Chrino Trigger, um, Ocarina of Time, FF7, they do say some stuff, but it's a, it's probably like, I would say like MCU level engagement with themes. Yes. Like it's generally archetypes, um, you know, bigger picture, but kind of simplistic. Whereas Metal Gear Solid is, you know, I'd say like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. It's getting like deep into the nitty gritty of some I, of the political. I would, it, I would um, to be fair to Seven, I would say Seven does have an environmentalist. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think I would attract that. Which, that, which that, is that the best sense. thing about the remake, I can say, is that it really pulls that out. Mm-hmm. And I, that, that's it's very enjoyable. That's the best thing about it. The best thing about the FS7 remake is that they made Barrett a serious character and not a joke character. And he's right, right. incredible. He's a great character in that game. But yeah, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I mean, it it was a moment. Um, I know we t- kind of talked about it in the intro, but it was something that like was like nothing I had played before it. Um, not just like the cinematics, but that it was like um, what I don't know if diegetic is the right word, but the fact that the uh, game engine cinematics were the same as the cutscene cinematics. Yes, that's 
That's very big. When you compare it to FF7, which I think had like three different renderings of characters, depending on a cutscene, certain type of cutscene, or just, you know, in game or in battle, there was just different designs. You used to like, you know, a loading screen and taking time, whereas they were still loading in the original MGS on PlayStation. Um, There was a disc change too. Uh, But uh, it still just felt very cohesive. Um, It felt revolutionary, even if it was not necessarily the, you know, cleanest. cutscenes we've ever seen um just the way the game starts like that haunting i think it's a uh, from police knots or snatchers like bah, bah. I, I can't do sounds or sound effects <laughs> so i'm not gonna even try um but like all that stuff uh uh what's it called and then you know the way it engages you like the i mean the psycho mantis battle i'm sure we're gonna spend like a half an hour on it when we get to it um that was like you know plugging in the controller port, getting Merrill's codec off of the back. Um, he was engaging with the medium of video games, like every aspect of it. It wasn't just the story that I'm playing in the, on the screen or whatever. This is something I'm sure we'll talk about. This is specifically from the, 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 the Super Bunny Hops. I took, I took this from him, from George's, uh, his, his breakdowns of 1, 2, and 3, that one... Like, you specifically, not Solid Snake, you are a main character in Metal Gear Solid 1, which is really, it, it may be the first game to have done that, to really take advantage of the interactivity of games to make that to make that a, an actual plot point. And it's so, it was so strange. Like, it's just, so, and it's not just a Psycho Manus thing. It's, I mean, it's Liquid looking directly at the screen and saying, you enjoy all the killing. Like, oh yeah, you, player. Yeah. And it, it, it's, like the it's the Bioshock thing, but like done well. That stuff is more the, the, really for me. The thing is, you, you mentioned it, how compact it is, and how much it has like a sense of place. A game, a game that made I, I thought a lot about Metal Gear while I was playing it for the first time. And this is a much less deep game, but it's a game I so love. Was Arkham Asylum, the first Batman game? Mm-hmm. That's a great example because Arkham Asylum is like everything makes sense of where it is. Like yeah, this. It's just it's it's pretty small. You go through it. It's got that same kind of like almost Halloween horror vibe, kind of, which I really appreciate. No, it's a it's a legit scary like the Gray Fox stuff and all of it. I'm, I'm okay with like normal horror games, but first person horror games for some reason like it triggers vertigo in me. Like it's one of the reasons I couldn't finish Outer Wilds, a game that I absolutely loved because the that sensation like made me physically ill. Like it wasn't it's a physiological thing. I could watch gameplay of it doing it metal gear suggests that without actually doing it to you so i'm able to get through it fine (laughs) and yeah it's just it's a wonderful game it's i mean it's it's a big enough it's an important enough and interesting enough game that he went ahead and did another one yeah yeah and that'll we'll just go ahead and transition to my number four um which is basically the phantom of metal gear solid is metal gear solid 2 sons of liberty which is basically Taking everything you knew about Metal Gear Solid, giving you, a, you know, letting you get your foot wet in the pool a little bit, but then kind of turning it into like this big, um, I don't know, postmodern analysis of gaming, of culture, of data, of the information age. Like, I love Sons of Liberty. Marketing. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. It's, it was just, Metal Gear Solid was a moment. Metal Gear Solid 2 was a different moment, <laughs> um, but it was definitely a moment because, um, that rug pull of Solid Snake, it was something that I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. I like, you know, I like Solid Snake. and like this riding guy. He seems like he kind of sucks. Um, but um, everything else at the time, I'm like, this game still plays well. The battles are great. I love fighting Fat Man. I love fighting seven Metal Gears at once. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of 
great, legit great stuff in there. It was weird. Um, it felt like I did. I wasn't like smart enough at the time to realize, but it felt like an appropriate sequel in a way that I couldn't quite say. And then coming back to it later after reading the millions of think pieces about it, about how Kojima, he took a lot of influence from, I think, Terminator 2, which he thinks is like the ideal sequel. It takes everything you know about the first one and kind of turns it on its head. Um, Terminator is very basic. It basically turns Arnold into the good guy. Uh, but like, you know, it's something like that, like kind of a paradigm change as opposed to just the same character kind of going through another iteration of the, you know, same motions of the first game. Um, and it is that, but it's intentionally that. Um, and I think it just... It's asking you why you want that. Yes. Like, this is which is what you want. And and people have said this, like, there's some stuff about this series. We will criticize him a lot, I imagine. Oh, yeah. Like, more than I think a lot of Metal Gear, because there's a lot to criticize. The idea that, that anyone could think he didn't do that on purpose is ridiculous. Like, it's so apparent. Like, the tanker section is such a hilarious fan service Like, this is, a, this is the Metal Gear sequel you wanted. And then it just ends, and then it's just gone. It, it's like it's white... To the extent that you don't even know if the, what you play in the game is the actual tanker sequence, because they imply that yeah. that the tanker sequence you play was Raiden playing that in VR. Right. Because they show, and this is a thing I think about a lot, they show Snake's flashbacks of him escaping the tanker, which you don't do. No. Like, it just ends, and then he just floats, he dies. Like, that's how it ends. Right. It's, it, it's but yeah, the, the thing for me that I'll, I always stick with, the two things. One is, I didn't buy the game, I bought it on with the collection that came out. The one, two, okay, three, the HD. So I didn't have oh, the old one. No, on PS2, I still have it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, <laughs> the um, so I, I had the the normal case with like the or the, the white case with the Chinkawa uh, solid on it, on, right. which is gorgeous. But I didn't get. I didn't notice this till I actually heard somebody say it, or I think I read it a few years ago, that the actual box, the the, the launch box for the game, the Ryan is not on the box anywhere. Nope. And you play you play as him for ninety percent of the game. Yeah. Which is insane that he was allowed to do that. That was a huge release. Like I again, I I did not really know anything about Metal Gear Solid One. I knew about Metal Gear Solid Two before I played Three because I'd heard because it was such a huge. It came out. I mean, end of two thousand one is one of the biggest sequence. Like Halo One came out. FF FF Ten came out. Yeah. Tony Hawk Three, which is a huge game and one of my favorite games of all time, came out. <laughs> um, was there a GTA right there too? GTA was right a little before then, but yeah. Um, okay. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that came out in 2001, fall 2001, because it was like when the new generation really kind of the PS2 had already gotten out such such a good lead that the Xbox and the GameCube threw out everything they had basically. Right. Rogue Rogue Leader came out. That was a huge game. Yeah. Like games that were on. That was the first time I remember seeing a lot of commercials for games in 2001. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing we'll talk about is, uh, um, especially, uh, it also comes up with Final Fantasy VII, his demo discs were huge at the time. Yep. Um, and the demo discs for, I, I played that tanker stage. I think it takes you all the way until you, you know, right before you have to take the pictures of Metal Gear, uh, when the troop kind of locks you into the dock. Or maybe it's right before Olga. I can't remember if you actually get to Olga now that I think about it. But I definitely had that demo disc. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait for a whole game of Solid Snake. That's what, that's what I'm going to get. Yeah. But that's cool. Um, I'll mention this again real quick. I do want to say though the, the biggest the biggest way that people talk about when Ryan throws away the dog tags with whatever your name is on it, that's 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 definitely part of this. But the biggest way the game calls you out directly is when you fight with Snake against the Arsenal Tengu, and Snake has a he has a bigger he has a bigger life bar than you. He does more damage to you, and he has infinite ammo. And it's like it's making you deliberately like, oh, I'm not Snake. Why am I not Snake? This sucks. Like it's it's 
just rubbing it in your face. And it's so insane that he did that, that a major yeah. game did that. And when you comes to terms with it, like that's like, you know, maybe Solid Snake, the last half of Metal Gear Solid 2, like that might be that person or that character's finest hour. Mm-hmm. Um, Like everything he's doing, like all the way and up to including like jumping off Arsenal gear, like swan dive into the water, chasing a Metal Gear. Um, Like it's like the myth of Solid Snake. Like one thing I love is like, you know, both Solid and Naked Snake are kind of patsies, especially in their first missions, uh, Metal Gear Solid and 3. Oh, yeah. Um, But um, I love that even though they constantly reject that hero label, um, at the right time, it just, it, they still like, they are that or they like become that at the right moment. Um, I think the back half of like Metal Gear Solid, like uh, right around the uh, Hind D battle through the Sniper Wolf battle when you have the whole you know, what are we fighting for and all the Gray Fox stuff. Like, that's where Solid Solid Snake kind of self-actualizes. And, like, the back half of Metal Gear Solid 2 is, like, where the legend that I wanted Solid Snake to be happens. It's just I don't get to be him while he does it. Yep. And and that's cool. Once you come to terms with that, it's really just bold storytelling, I would say. And I also also just love – I love him not being a playable character, fully because I love calling up Pliskin all the time. Yeah. Like, hey, Pliskin, what's up? And he's just like, what? What do you <laughs> right? Don't you, why are you taking why are you in the ladies' bathroom? Like just getting pissed off at you. It's great. He's so good. Him him calling him calling Stillman Pete all the time. It's very funny to me. And then uh, maybe my single favorite comedy section in any of the games is when you're meeting with Stillman about the about all the bombs. And he gets nervous because he can tell Stillman knows he's not a SEAL. So he just starts yelling out a bunch of like random military, like Semper Fi, the bravest win. <laughs> and just like blowing his cover for no reason <laughs> like he, he chooses some moments to be really stupid and i love that about our dumb boy um it, it's really great like i i wish I, I i wish there was a version of that where you could autocon me in the back and be like what are you doing stop <laughs> um, and honestly um I, this isn't my original thought but honestly if something like that came out today like there would be people demanding this game be patched that you play oh, yeah. a solid snake as um, and I don't think you could because just the way the story is built, like it's not where you can just sub in something like that. But that that's what you got away with. And it was it still might be the most divisive launch of any game, maybe until last week or whatever it was. <laughs> or Mass Effect 3. Yeah, um, it's 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 up there. But I think this one probably holds up best among those three. Um, it's still a great game. I mean, it's kind of aged in terms of its mechanics. You can get around. I don't with know, it. though. It, it plays so uniquely. The only other yeah. game that plays like Metal Gear at all is probably the newer Hitman games, and I, I love those. I probably reference them all the time. But it, it's the only other game where it just kind of lets you dick around with like those mechanics in like that kind of third-person actiony setting, not like an immersive sim style, which is much more involved. For sure. When and like those are like cause and effect games, whereas Metal Gear is just like, hey, do you want to see what happens if you shoot this guy in the foot with a trank or like? I mean, that's one. That's that's maybe the biggest selling point of Phantom Pain for me. It's just like, hey, let uh, make a circle of inflatable snakes and stand inside and see how long it takes for somebody to notice you. You can just do that for like an hour if you want. There's nothing. You put them all in a truck and like drive them off a cliff at people. It's just such a weird, fun game. Oh yeah. And two is really where that stuff starts. I feel like. I agree. But uh, let's move on. Um, yep. I think we basically have covered everything in our top four. Um, but you have. A non-solid game at number five. The insane brilliance of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. It's it's a it's an insane game. I, I can't really describe it. I mean, it's a platinum games game. 
but trying to be Metal Gear. And it doesn't really, like, I think there's a lot of things in it that don't work. I mean, A, one, um, <laughs> mild spoiler, one of the big themes of the game is that Raiden has to embrace violence for, he has to embrace violence for his own causes. He has to fight for something. But he does multiple times, like, just, like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill everybody here. Like, it's, it's hyper-violent and, like, goofy, like, extremely goofy. Um, I'm very glad in retrospect, because I've read this several times, that they were going to have, because ev- um, every, everyone in the game is a cyborg ninja, like him. Right. So, like, you can, like, rip them apart, and you could still justify that, oh, that guy's fine. But, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, they were at one point going to have like normal human enemies in it that you would get admonished for killing, which is a cool idea. But I think they realized pretty quickly that this is a game about cutting things in half. And people are going to cut things in half, and like that's not—they're not, not going to care. And I'm glad they didn't because it makes it more of an anime game. It's the most anime of any, except maybe Twin Snakes. It's the most anime that the series gets at any point. But shockingly, it's still like dialogue and like plotting and like just the way it looks and sounds it feels like Metal Gear and it's a great it's a great uh I guess I'll say it does a great job patching a lot of the holes in Ryan's character from four not from two but from four where it's just sort of he has an arc because I, I think that's one of the problems with him in four is like he doesn't what does he do like plot wise he does a lot but like he does what is like his character he, there's no growth right yeah and in revengeance if you like the riding character at all that's what that that's really the, the, the two selling points of that game are it's extremely it's extremely fun and weird and like arcadey hack and slash and also riding like becomes a more self-actualized character and like it's interesting and cool and well performed although i don't know if quentin flynn should be getting any props for anything right now apparently he's a sex pest um <laughs> Oh, oh, ooh, that's that's unfortunate. I did not hear that. Um, um I, I, yeah, but still, it's a it's a it's a good. It's like a very good game, and I was surprised by that. I was not expecting it. You know, like Platinum Games makes fun games, but it's a good Metal Gear game that has. It's like not stupid, despite passing itself off as stupid. <laughs> um, it's also it's also like nine hours. Oh wow, that's short. Yeah, it's 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 just fun. It's a fast game. When you get the, I would say there are some problems with the combat. Like there are some problems with it trying. The, like the parry system is weird, but the bosses are all interesting. The bosses are almost. I mean, they're very designed very differently, but they're almost a, a, a better version of the Beauty and the Beast squad of like. That's not hard, but yeah. Yeah, but like like a, a group of people from a lot of war torn areas who have these tragic backstories who become like this mercenary group. Who are working? Who are working to perpetuate the war economy? And like, there's also politically. I, I don't think it has anything really strong to say about it, but it does, like, kind of fairly realistically portray the U.S. industrial uh, military industrial complex. Because, like, spoiler: the final boss of the game is a say senator who wants to become president by restarting the war, the war on terror, and assassinating the president so he can win a, an election. Like, that's ridiculous, but also it's like that's kind of how like it works. Like that's how the American economy works. Like yeah. we have to keep restarting wars to, to feed, and like it's it works. It works, but it it really takes a lot of the stuff from four that's good and moves it forward while being much more fun, much less bloated. And like also, hey, you're not going to tell me you didn't see all the cyborg ninjas and be like, I want to do that, and you get to do it. 
yeah, it's a good game. I like Revengeance a lot. I have a lot of fun. Fun. The soundtrack is insane. It's an insane soundtrack. I have a lot of fond memories of Revengeance, and I just beat it again a few months ago to be even before we started doing this, just to be like, do I still like this game? Turns out I liked it more. I liked it a lot. It's a good game. That's great. Um, I actually haven't played Revengeance, as I might have mentioned up top, but uh, we hope to get to it after uh, we cover Metal Gear Solid 4, and I will play it for the podcast. So um, I hope to have thoughts. Um, I know it's not the original pitch storyline. It was supposed to be how Raiden got Olga's baby, um, but I actually have no idea what the actual story of it is. Um, so I'll probably just save it until I actually get to play it. Yep. Um, my number five was Metal Gear Solid. We already talked about that in depth. Um, we both have the same number six. So, uh, Metal Gear Solid five ground zeros, which to me is basically the tanker stage of Metal Gear Solid five. Yep. But on purpose and you're supposed to enjoy it. I'm put that ahead of Phantom Pain. I think solely because. It, it lasted better for me. Like the end game stuff after you beat it, which it's like what two hours maybe if you're like being deliberate. Yeah. But like just going back and doing all the little silly, like finding all the spray paint, finding Kojima and rescuing him and all that dumb shit. I had a lot of fun with that. And when it, when I was done with it, I just put the game away. I didn't play it again. Whereas Phantom Pain, I kept trying to go back and back with, and I just got more and more frustrated with how unfinished it was. But really, I think, honestly, I think we probably could just have them in the same game. Yeah. But they were released different times, and they were, you know, they were... So I, I'm kind of half an, I'm kind of uncommitted on whether or not I consider it a, its own game. Yeah. But I do like it a lot. I, I had fun with it. I think it's good. Um, I think it actually had a lot more game to play than people made out. I think really what stuck with a lot of people is more the price point than anything with the game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because... Um, I didn't care about I, that. It's, yeah, that, that was fine by me. I'm going to buy it. Um, I'm... I would you. I don't want to get into how much I would spend on a Metal Gear Solid game because um, I have a pretty high threshold for that. But um, it was surprisingly replayable. Like I spent a lot of time with it. I mean, I basically had a year and a half with it until uh, Phantom Pain came out proper. Um, it's the actual big boss again. There's going to be a lot of parallels between <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Two and Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, I do think Metal Gear Solid Two is generally the better executed of that idea. Um, but I think you see, you're going to see a lot of the same ideas playing around with those two games. Um, but it's fun. It's a great introduction to like the Fox engine, the mechanics. Um, one thing we're going to talk about is um, when you first get to Shadow Moses in Metal Gear Solid 1, when you get off that elevator and get a look at the lay of the land, I think that's a shot that Kojima loves a lot. Yes. Um, I think he recreates it a couple times. You know, I think he does an MGS3 with Grozny grad, but I think arriving at camp omega and ground zeros like that's the vision that he kind of had in his head of solid snake arriving at shadow moses obviously the climate's you know climate's a little different different scenario but that's the kind of big sweeping vision he had for solo infiltration mission um into a you know fortified base um so i think there's a lot to love about ground zeros um there's a lot more game there um it's a great way to just like it just feels good to play. It's fun. Yeah, that engine, the Fox engine is terrific. I'm really sad that we were probably not going to ever get another game in it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we get, might get soccer games or something like yeah. that. But um, I, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised that we got, uh, what, a James Bond game on the Hitman engine. Um, you know, that could be that should be pretty cool. Um, but that was James Bond was something that'd be like, oh man, imagine a James Bond game in the Fox engine, but, um, not complaining because I'm very happy with what we're getting, but I do hope the Fox engine isn't dead forever or someone, you know, finds a way to use it. But, um, I think ground zero is a good game. Um, 
it'll be fun to cover, but I think it'll just be covered as part of uh, the Phantom Pain. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's hard to, it's really just the intro story and really, it's really the exposition. Um, like I said, it's the tanker stage more or less. So um, hopping on to number seven, um, this is my last entry because I just played a few, couple fewer games in the series. Um, but for me, it's Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, uh, a game I'm, it's, still pretty fun to play i have some issues with it compared to some of the other entries but chapters two and four i like i think are like fun to play yeah one is as close as you get to like a intro or demo because all the games seemingly have an intro section to them mm-hmm. um where you get to feel it out and that's basically what um the middle east is to metal gear solid 4 it just doesn't have that same feel the way it's built into the game like some of the other ones but yeah um yeah two and four is good two is just like the most metal gear solid three just with octo camo basically yeah um and then going back to shadow moses i think that that's a very good example of fan service um because you can kind of make it make sense um you can kind of track because this was supposed to be the last metal gear which i shouldn't really pin anything on because i think kojima always says it's going to be the last metal gear he was saying Uh, it when sons of liberty came out right uh, so I don't, I, whether it was in his mind, the last Metal Gear, he went on to create an entire engine for the series after Metal Gear 4. But um, I think it it suffers in a lot of places. I think it's a little too much story. I think you can find a way to make it make sense with like the themes of the game. But then there's just so much of it. Like once you start getting into the Merrill, Johnny Sasaki marriage, um, some of the Ride and Rose stuff, just I don't need 75 minutes. It's just before. nonsense. Yeah. The retconning, the thing I'm always, I will never forget the game for is the retcon of making, like, Zero I can understand, he's kind of a dick, and he's a commanding officer, but having Paramedic and Sigint, like, two extremely likable, cool Coda characters, become the overarching villains of the entire series. This is not, it doesn't, it just smacks of him trying to fit MGS3 in there somehow. Yeah. And it just doesn't work at all. I, I really, like, I openly dislike it, and I, it's one of the reasons I don't, I, I kind of don't consider it canon almost, or like somebody's mistaken. Yeah. I think what you said about, I don't want to even talk about four too much because we're going to go way too long. Um, the, the thing, the thing I will say that the, the best way I can describe it is uh, the, the reason you can understand anyone, any but four being someone's favorite is because I can't imagine someone. I can't imagine four being someone's first metal gear and them liking it at all. For sure. That, I think that's exactly it. Like, like every every other one, like you could have picked up Ground Zeroes in 2014. You're like, yeah, I never played this. What is it? And be like, oh, this is a neat game. I know someone who plays who only who played Revengeance first and loved it. Yeah, and got any other games because of it. Three was my first. Maybe two, but two still has enough of game. There's enough of like, yeah, I, I, I maybe two you could be a little turned off by, but I think you would still enjoy it enough to play the other ones. If four was your first Metal Gear, I can't imagine you want to play another one. No, uh, because two, you still have a hook. It's like, oh, I'm this cool character. Oh, shit, this character dies. Oh, shit, I'm someone... Like, there's, you know, narrative tension and something that... But I don't know what you're going to do when... Four is so obviously... You have... Four is the you had to be there joke. It's like, oh, you had to be there to get it. Like, if you were... Even, like, 20 minutes into four, you would probably just be like, I don't know who any of these characters are. Like, I have to know... I have to turn this game off. I can't play this. And, And it's not enough game to really justify it. It's not a bad game by any means. I don't think it's a good game. It looks great for the time. It still has a lot of fun sell stuff. But yeah, I just don't get how it could be your favorite. I really don't. Yeah, it just if if I want to feel like I want to play a Metal Gear game again, it's just not going to be one I think of. 
um, unless I just really don't have other options or no. I'm doing re- research into, you know, Les Enfants Terribles or something because most uh, so much of the backstory yeah. uh, come. And that's where, you know, where you say, I don't even recognize those cans. Like, I totally feel that um, because there's there's no reason for them to do half the shit they do. Um, and I do think some of it is a commentary on fan service. But again, it goes too far in places where I think usually Kojima has some sense of restraint. Um, but another thing that really another thing that really disappoints me about it is uh, how good the intro is. The, not not the not the Middle East part, but the actual the David Hayter thing. And all the commercials. Oh, Those are so oh, cool. That. It's so weird. And then the game kind of picks up on like that that concept of technology, but there's no there's no study of like this is what the culture this is what culture under a war economy becomes under a perpetual war economy. Which you know it's such an outlandish concept that we would have no idea of in the United States right now. I really <laughs> would like to see it explored. But like no, like that all the commercials and all that weird shit. Like I want to see more of that. I wish. There was some way to like, but no. Then the rest of the game, you're either in a mission or you're on that little on the ship with Sunny and Otacon, completely co- disconnected from the rest of the world. And like, it's just it's a missed opportunity. That stuff's so cool. Yeah, there, there felt like there was a, a a world out there that was interesting that they were putting you in, but you really only got to see, um, you know, the slivers of the war torn parts. You only get to see characters from other Metal Gear games show up and wave at camera and then like walk off. Um, yeah. Oh my god! Like, who, I, can't, I mean, they, who are the good new characters in that game? Drebin? Drebin's fine. He's kind of an interesting, like snake, like a uh, like not like perpetual betrayal machine is the is the, the trope name. Like he just he keeps on betraying you, and you're just like, oh, I guess I have to do this. Like he's fun. I think the actor is named Gary Payton, and I had to double take. It's not spelled like the former Seattle SuperSonic Gary Payton. Oh, is it, but it's Gary Payton. It's the guy who um Carrie. That's it. A uh, guy from uh for Cyborg, and he was in like Young Justice and stuff. Like he was T-Tac, oh, T-Tac, yeah. yeah. He's in a yeah, lot of no stuff. shit. He's a very prolific voice actor. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I think. I mean, I guess uh, Rat Patrol was kind of new, like everyone except Meryl and Johnny. But like, what did Ed and Jonathan? Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they did anything. Um, the Beauty and the Beast Corps is possibly the weakest boss core in terms of like their characters, but they kind of aren't. <laughs> um, I mean, and then it's like Vamp and Otacon, Naomi. I guess Mei Ling gets kind of a new like she's fun. Like it's fun to have a. She's almost a new character. Sunny. And then, yeah, like Sunny. Sunny. If Sunny is the best new character in the game, and Sunny. Sunny is better in Revengeance. <laughs> well, <it's better. laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it 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 wasn't fun in a lot of the ways a lot of Metal Gear is fun, and like I like some things like the Octo Camo and stuff, but like it's not like Metal Gear Solid Three where you're incentivized to crawl all over no. the map because you need to get every possible resource because it's a survivalist. Um, you can buy everything, and I again, it it's part of the themes, but it just doesn't make for as compelling of a overall gameplay. Experience. No, and then I'll finish up here because I, I I played about an hour and a half of Portal Wops and didn't really like it, but I felt compelled to put it on the list because I did play it. So there, Portal Wops. We're not going to talk about it. The only th- interesting yeah. thing about the game, because I've watched all the cutscenes for it, is that there's some fun stuff with uh, Frank Ager. He's a character in it, but like that's it. And 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 everything from him you can already, even if you haven't played the original Metal Gear, which I have played most of two, and I got stuck on it, and I didn't go back to it for like a year, and then I just forgot it. But um, you don't need you don't really need that backstory for Metal Gear Solid One to work. Like Gray Fox still works as a character. Yeah, I think my only real interest. Uh... 
uh, is actually not Gray Fox, but that the fact that there's a young Roy Campbell in it, um, just because that kind of iteration from Big Boss to Roy Campbell, then to down to Solid Snake, um, that's kind of interesting to me. Um, because, um, again, I understand that this is a, a developing canon and like what Kojima was thinking, 98 versus 2000. And this isn't even a Kojima game, to be honest. Um, but uh, like Roy Campbell, like didn't seem to have any relation. He did more influence on Revengeance, I think, than he did on that game. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, if like Big Boss and Roy Campbell kind of like went to war together in the early 70s, um, I felt like that would have been something that reverberated more to like Metal Gear Solid 1 or something. But um, I understand how canon works. I mean, I read comic books. I, I don't really peg stuff for retcons and stuff unless it's just really clumsy or um, purely for cynical corporate reasons that you're doing it. Um, or, or to make or to make the your your fun uh, medic friend who loves talking about Japanese movies be the person who tortures Gray Fox for like 15 years that you know doing that that's fun right we love doing that yeah Fuck yeah it's, it just it doesn't make sense I mean it the Ocelot as the big bad would have been fine because then it's kind of like a representation of the boss she has the meme in Ocelot and the G or the gene in Ocelot as her legitimate son versus big boss as her meme and the kind of like you can make that work but then trying to rope in all the other people from uh he didn't want to do that because he wanted Ocelot to be a heroic character in the end. Yeah, like he's like a because he's such, agent. Because he's such a hero. Yeah. He's such a nice person. Ocelot's, he's cool. He doesn't have to be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's literally a part of Metal Gear Solid 3 where he's like, hmm, actually, I do like torture. I was against <laughs> it earlier in the game. I saw it, and now I'm like, yeah, that shit's for me, and I'm going to work on it. Um, so, Shall I yeah. Oh man, I mean, he is fun, and I'm, we're really going to dive into. Yeah, it, I mean, that's when we that's the it. biggest for me. The biggest appeal of four is is Patrick's performance. He's really fucking funny. It's just good. It's just a good hammy performance. The whole yeah. game. Oh man, when he's running away from Snake on Shadow Moses's port, like doing the Nana, you can't get me. Like, what is? I mean, I was like, this is kind of ridiculous and stupid, but also <laughs> everyone's having this so much fun. Or at least he is. Except Snake. Snake is not having fun. Snake. Snake, Snake is just like Snake I'm cannot stupid. have fun. Uh, Kojima will not let Snake have fun, or will not let the audience see Snake have fun. So, Big Boss can have sex and have fun. Snake cannot. Yeah, unless there's a lot uh, of fun. Well, Big Boss has sometimes a little too much fun because some of the dates with Paz and Kaz seem a little <laughs> seem a little strange. But uh, we'll dig into that when we get to it. Um, I think we had a whole section dedicated to like themes and why we love Metal Gear, but I feel like. That kind of came out in going through the games and how we got into it. What do you think? Yeah, and we can just go with that more game by game because it is a thing. It's, it's one of the reasons I brought the Zelda stuff up because, like, those games, they do fit together, but they're also supposed to be enjoyed individually. And, like, Metal Gear kind of is. Final Fantasies, they really they really hit the nail of how to do that, making, you know, kind of the anthology series because people, there are connections between those games, but nobody ever really, like, you had to play seven to, to really appreciate eight. It's like, no, you don't have to. No, you could just play whatever one you want. And that's really, that really works for me. Like canon wise. I really like that. Yeah. Um, to be honest, uh, Metal Gear Solid three, um, I mentioned I was in college and more concerned with sex, drugs and rock and roll. Um, so I missed the whole promo cycle. So when I got the game and I saw snake in the sixties, I'm like, Oh, this is just a Zelda thing where the, Oh, there's a snake. There's an ocelot. There's some yeah, kind of big yeah. mech at the end. Like I didn't even, it literally wasn't until like the eye patch and then it started clicking. Wait, is this supposed to be big bosses or like then, you know, 
Um, I kind of got a feel that it fits into the canon, but um, I'm I'm not big on canon in video games. I'd rather just the game that I get is good in itself, like trying to tie all the Zeldas together. Like, I think it's fun, but it's not something I think about, um, no. except, you know, no. I think Breath of the Wild kind of challenge, you know, makes you think about it just a little bit. Well, I think with Breath of the Wild, they were deliberately trying to kill the timelines. Like, they wanted it to stop. Yeah. They, they didn't, like, it, it's the same thing with, like, just the other day, Sakurai and the Sephiroth or yesterday in the Sephiroth right, video started talking about frames and then he was like no I don't want to talk about that I just want to make a fun party game like you asshole fans have ruined this for me <laughs> he just wants to finish his game so he can disappear into dust or whatever he's going to do when he's done I mean I can confirm fans pretty much ruin everything everything I like the last thing I ever want to do with it is talk to about it with a fan um, you know present company <laughs> excluded as a, as a Star Wars fan I can't imagine where you're getting that from oh yeah oh man today's been a day anyways so uh, on that front. Anyways, um, so we've, we've actually been talking for almost two hours now. Who knows how long the actual yeah. edited cut will be. Um, so what we have in store for you coming up is we're basically going to go through the games pretty much in release order, though. Uh, we do have a couple switch ups because I do think it makes sense to follow up uh, Snake Eater with Peace Walker and just continue Big Boss's story uh, before jumping back to the Solid Snake and Raiden storyline. Um, but basically, we're going to spend a couple episodes on each game, uh, talking about the game itself, themes, characters, um, all the boring nerd shit that you're probably listening to this for. Um, but that's kind of the approach we're going to have. And we'll probably be, this is probably going to be the longest episode, I imagine, unless we have some kind of something about the movie. I have no idea how long that's going to be or what's, you know, what the future holds. This is a, not a, uh, in these unprecedented times, it's hard, <laughs> hard to say. Yeah, um, we're yeah we're not you know we're just, we're both just kind of fans and just kind of want to talk about this stuff. Um, this is not like our livelihood, so um, we're just going to do this as we can. Hopefully, we get through it. Uh, maybe there'll be a chance for a couple bonus episodes or some other topics that are Metal Gear Solid adjacent. Um, I still haven't played Death Stranding, um, so I plan to do that sometime. I played about twelve hours of it, and I plan yeah, I need to finish it too. Um, so I would like to play that, and it might make sense to vi- visit that game after we work through the Metal Gear Solid series. So, um, And I've always had Metal Gear 1 and 2 on my to-do list from the Metal Gear Solid 3 subsistence version. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll pull up a game fact queue and just kind of work through it, uh, You know, follow the instructions just so I can see what it's like. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're here for Metal Gear Solid. We're going to talk about the Solid Games plus Revengeance, um, and hopefully we'll all get something out of it. <laughs>